Welcome to the inaugural episode of Gender Critical Story Hour. I'm Amy Ham, And I'm Esme V. And um, yeah, this is our inaugural episode and we're really excited to be here. Um, if you listen to our trailer, you know that we want to take a dive into the politics of being out versus being anonymous. And um, Amy's out and Amy, you're way out. <laughs> so um, what's that like? It's been interesting. I've had lost friends, some, some, a lot of online abuse, a little bit of in real life abuse. Uh, I've had involvement with the police and justice system. It's been interesting. Yeah, I'm in in high profile too. <laughs> At Considering times, the yeah. character, yes, the character that's involved with um, trying to trying to take you down, which is kind of ironic um, and bizarre. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm sort of, I am anonymous in some ways, but I am, I'm out in other ways. Like for instance, I'm out on Twitter as gender critical uh, with my full name. Um, and I got into doing that just because um, mainly started out with the, the child transing issue and I thought well this is yeah I, this is definitely a hill I could die on because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm really you know um, strongly into child safety and safeguarding and have been involved in other issues in that regard um, but as things went along and I just saw the absolute insanity that was going on with women's rights um, I thought okay I'm, I'm gonna comment on Twitter about this and then Last summer we started Cosbar, and Amy, you were a part of that. And um, but at that point, I thought, you know what? I really cannot name to a turfy so-called organization as a founder um, because I work in media. And if right. I ever want to, uh, you know, I've as a documentary filmmaker, if I ever want to be a found, uh, get funding um, ever again. Um, they're going to creep my name and they're going to say, you know, they'll see that I've, I founded this organization. So I had to make that tough decision. And um, I'm not really out on Facebook either because um, of that environment. Um, yeah. I don't post really anything on Facebook. But anyway, so and in real life, um, I'm, I have a lot of personal conversations with people and mm -hmm. um, I read the room and I and I read you know, who uh, I can kind of tell what they want to hear or what they don't want to hear. And right. I, I sort of ease into it that way. But my son, who's who's a young man in his early 20s, um, he's not really happy with me <laughs> and my stance on the issue. So it, 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 oh, wow. it, you know, like a lot of people, you know, a lot of women, their families, um, it, it, it creeps into the family dynamic as well. So yeah, anyway, absolutely. Yeah, we both have our, our different... Um, situations and and the very fact that you and and Megan and Holly started GID YVR I mean major props to you women because um what you're going through with that as well um you get abuse with that and and it's scary oh, in real you. life yeah it is. You, you're doing yeah. such an amazing mm -hmm. thank you and well on that note I would have to say what better guest for us to have on our first episode other than Megan Murphy <laughs> I just want to say hi great to meet you Nice to meet Finally. you also. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Yeah, totally. Happy to. Mm -hmm. um, Megan's Canada's kind of leading feminist -y, outspoken critic of gender identity ideology. She's a writer, a speaker, and a YouTuber. Um, also the founder of Feminist Current, which is really the only sizable publication in Canada that's addressing gender ideology. Um, I also happen to know her, and I know that she's very thoughtful and fearless. She's the type of person that wouldn't cower from a mob, whether the mob was made up of identity-obsessed trolls or the women that were fighting alongside. Um, it was interesting, after we posted a trailer on Twitter, there were some people that were upset. Let me just read a tweet. So someone said, quote, Seriously? More women bashing? Didn't Murphy learn anything the last time she unloaded on women for doing feminism wrong? Quote, I can't be sure, but I'm pretty sure this person's referring to Megan's comments after the death of Magdalene Burns. Um, so for anyone who doesn't know, Magdalene Burns was a lesbian YouTuber with 
brilliant wit, scathing critique of gender identity ideology. She really encouraged other women to speak out. And then sadly, she died of brain cancer last year. She was well known for saying, I'd rather be rude than a fucking liar. Um, so maybe we'll start there. Megan, do you want to maybe talk about the kind of controversy that happened after Magdalene died um, when women were changing their Twitter handles to their real names in Magdalene's honor? Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I guess I found that tweet a little bit odd because I didn't really ever unload on anyone um, I think after Magdalene died, I'm trying to remember, I can't remember exactly what I said, but I think I just encouraged women to come out and be brave and speak out, which is something that I sort of always do. Um, you know, I say, you know, like, it's really important that we stand together and the more women that speak out, the more it sort of empowers and emboldens other women to speak out. Um, so, you know, I'm not going around attacking women who choose to stay anonymous and I certainly understand why people stay anonymous. Um, mm -hmm. I think people get defensive about it. Um, probably just, I assume because they probably feel a little bit guilty about it and then they sort of project that onto those of us who are saying, you know, like it's, it's hard to be out here and we need more people to be out here and we need to normalize these kinds of conversations. And it's hard to normalize these conversations if people won't um, engage in the conversations. And I mean, the reality is that speaking out um, holds a lot more power if you do do it under your own name and face. Um, at the same time, you know, mm -hmm. like there's lots of different ways to do work in this movement. Um, and a lot of that work needs to be done behind the scenes. A lot of that work can be done via letter writing campaigns, you know, meeting with your MPs, with local politicians, talking to your friends, um, writing, doing admin work, doing fundraising work, you know, there's, there's lots and lots of things that people can do. I certainly don't think that everyone needs to be out on social media or doing what I'm doing. That's, you know, people are, are good at different things. People have different skills. I primarily write because that's what I'm good at doing. Um, I'm not a great organizer, you know, like I don't know how to, do activism in the way that other women might. Um, but, you know, in any case, I think those kinds of comments aren't meant to be an attack on anyone. It's meant to be an encouragement to, to yeah, to be brave and come out. At the same time, you know, like, we'll often hear, and I know you hear this often too, Amy, from people who say, you know, like, I, I just can't, you know, like, I can't risk it. Like, I'm too vulnerable, like my family, my friends, my job. And that yeah. sort of feels like an insult to me. Um, and I, I won't speak to how that makes you feel. But it's like, I'm like, well, is my life not as important? Like, it, it's sort of like, okay, well, because I don't have kids, my life doesn't matter. Like, because I'm single, my life doesn't matter, you know, because... I, I do have the freedom in my work to speak out because I've chosen to work independently, but that doesn't make me yeah. not vulnerable. I'm certainly vulnerable financial financially because I don't have, you know, a regular yeah. job. Like I don't have a union. Like I don't have institutional support. I'm totally yeah. all on my own right, right out there. You know, I'm not, and I don't some work doors for... are closed, right? Oh, I mean, many, many, many doors are closed. And yes, I, I, I think that sometimes women look at me and they're like, oh, look at all this stuff she gets to do. And it's like, well, yeah, like I worked really, really hard to have these opportunities, but also these opportunities are not, they're generally not very financially lucrative. Um, obviously, I get paid for my work, but the, the speaking events that I do, you know, I'm, I'm usually kind of just breaking even, you know, obviously my costs are covered and I'll get a speaker fee, but it's not, mm -hmm. it's not, I mean, you know, I'm not getting rich off those gigs by any means. And there's no, mm -hmm. you know, there's no security and longevity in the kind of work that I do. It could just stop tomorrow and then I wouldn't be able to pay my rent next month. And I think people yeah. are sort of, 
I don't know. They they create all sorts of illusions around what my life is like, and you know, people get. I, I, you know, honestly, I think people probably get angry about certain people getting more attention than other people, and so on and so forth. But I guess, I, yeah, I mean, there's no woman bashing going on, and uh, I understand that people no. contribute in in different ways. But it's 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 hard and it's painful for those of us who are out there and suffer so many consequences to see other people protecting themselves as though somehow we can take it and we deserve it and and you know they they don't and they can't and it's like well you know like it's hard for everybody yeah like I have a thick skin um yeah but it's really it's hard you know like I had a, a horrible year this year was brutal like I was being protested by hundreds of people everywhere that I went and it was scary um, you know, I had to have bodyguards and a police presence and like I lost friends yeah. and it was really hurtful and I was going through other personal stuff and then I get attacked by feminists online, you know, semi-regularly yeah. and it's like, dude, like, you know, like it's hard. <laughs> it's, it's stressful yeah. and it's I painful. I thought that was really, really, really unfair when I saw um, some women sort of piling on you because... I was actually at the Toronto, at your Toronto um, Palmerston Library talk, and I was just astounded. I'd never, I mean, I knew you, you got abuse, Megan, um, but but for to actually be there and experience it, going through the crowd trying to get in there, and I got footage of that, and just the... Um, the adrenaline that that runs you know through you and and then trying to leave the same thing hate mobs coming out of the library and just you know there's that iconic photo of you I don't know which publication it was in it could have been the star or McLean's or something and you're just striding in there I think you've got like a leather jacket on mm -hmm. and you've got police presence and I'm like I am in awe of you actually for that you could even do that you know what I mean to put yourself out there so um, I can totally understand how you would um, it would be a bit feel a bit insulting for um, to hear other women say well you know it's fine for you to be out but I couldn't possibly do that but and then on the other hand I think because I'm one of the sort of half innies half outies I think every one of us has to make our own risk management based mm -hmm. on our all of our situations and it, and that even comes right down to personality like some people do not have the personality to even be able to endure the type of stress that you're under do you know what well, i mean like it's, it's true and yeah it's like and i and i totally get that and you know and like yeah. i said i mean contribute in in whatever way you can and mm -hmm. whatever way suits you which yeah. is exactly what you've chosen to do and and you know, and I do, I I do have a kind of personality that can take it, which is to say that you know I'm not, I don't suffer from mental illness. I don't suffer from anxiety, you know, other than circumstantial anxiety and stress due to things that are going on. You know, of course, those kinds of things come up. You know, like I I feel lucky to be in a position where I'm not dealing with chronic anxiety or depression or or anything else that or, or you know major health problems that would yeah. prevent mm -hmm. me from doing what I do because you have to be pretty together to be able to, to do that yeah. kind of thing. And, and, um, and I, I don't expect everybody to do what I do or be like me at all. So yeah, I mean, it, it's a complicated question. You know, this isn't black or white, like, Oh, if you're not yeah. out, then, then you're a coward and you're not <laughs> helping or you're, mm -hmm. sure. bus. you know, there's, there's different, ways it's I think like, I like, find there's a difference between someone who is like Esme and they're kind of out and they're doing what they can in their own way whether it's writing a letter or even going and having a coffee with your MP or something versus maybe some women and the work that they feel that they're doing is simply just having an anonymous social media presence and kind of just shit posting about gender identity ideology and at the end of the day that's the only thing that they're doing right yeah yeah i mean i guess i would agree to a certain extent in that you know it's not it's not completely 
you know, not valuable, but it's just that I think sometimes people who are fully anonymous, so who, you know, yeah, just run anonymous accounts and, and post their, their criticisms or analysis there. I think that they, they don't realize that that's not treated as, or viewed as being as legitimate as when somebody is doing that under their own face and name. So I think sometimes they feel a bit slighted um, maybe they're not getting the appreciation that they they feel they deserve. Um, and I mean, I don't know. I can't I can't speak for them, but I just get that impression yeah. from people who who are fully anonymous. And then yeah, and then they feel sort of embittered or or angry at at, at those of us who talk about how difficult mm-hmm. it is to be out in public. Um, mm-hmm. Again, maybe I don't know. Maybe that's just out of guilt and. You know do what you have to do but i mean don't certainly don't go after other women who are doing public work from behind anonymous accounts i mean have your anonymous account, anonymous account yeah. like produce what you want to produce and do what you feel you can and do what you feel is useful yeah. but then to go after me or julie bendel or you know whoever else it is from behind an anonymous Twitter account? Like, no, mm-hmm. no, screw you. Like, you need to be accountable if you're going to behave in that way. It's not cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think it also speaks to um, what happens quite a bit in women's movements and that, like, as we talk about, you know, in in COSBAR and, and other organizations, you know, we we do worry about optics and we do worry about, so there's this whole idea of who you're aligning with and, um, and the purity tests of like, well, uh, you know, b- b- women examining, well, who are you connected to? Who are you adjacent to? Who are you, like, there's a lot, like, we're just kind of swimming in this sort of milieu of that. So when something like comes up of, you know, a question of are you in or are you out, I think, a lot of women immediately go to this sort of like adversarial um, type thing when really, you know, we all have our opinions and we can voice them about what we think is the best way forward. And we don't always have to agree with each other, but we have to share the information openly. Right. Yeah. And not and not do it in such a way that we're going to you know slag other women off for making the choices that they make, because after all, it's about, you know, choosing your path. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, I just, I appreciate all the support that I get and I appreciate everything that everybody does, but yeah, it's, it's more that when it comes to the, the attacking and as you say, the slagging off of other women, which happens so much and usually from, you know, secret Facebook groups or, or Facebook yeah, pages yeah. run again by anonymous women who are just out there trashing me and trashing me and trashing me. And it's like, I don't know if you're going to, I just, if you're going to talk that way about other women, then I, I do think that you should be accountable and like do it under your own face and name or don't do it at all. I mean, why it's not really yeah. productive to go around. It's not productive at all. Already <laughs> no. Under attack by the rest of the world like like you can't yeah. find any other way to contribute really like try harder mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's it's Completely. not it's not productive at all it's very counterproductive and i think um you know in some ways women can learn something from the way men organize themselves you know they they have each other's back you know when they have a common goal i mean this is a this is sort of a, a, a generalization but they kind of just get they put their personalities aside. We have, we have a goal. It's like all move together. I don't need to like you. I don't need to marry you. I don't need to be your friend. Let's just get this done. Right. And so maybe I'm using a stereotype, but that's in my dealings in in the world. And I've been around for a long time. I'm a woman of a certain age and um, that's what I've seen, you know? Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. How do you both feel about that? Yeah, I I work in a woman dominated field, so I definitely also notice there are differences in the way that men and women um communicate with one another and interact with one another and there there does on average seem to be um a, a distinct style uh where women can sometimes not treat each other as well or not be as upfront 
when, um, you know, just kind of like the passive aggressiveness versus the like, let's just hash it out and have a discussion. Yeah, I do feel there's a lot of passive aggressiveness in the way that women deal with one another, unfortunately. Um, and I find that purity politics gets in the way of feminist politicking very often. I don't know if that happens in other female-led movements or male-centered movements or what, just because my dealings in a movement has been primarily within the feminist movement. Um, it seems to obviously happen on the left in general. Um, but I mean, yeah, because to me, I'm, you know, I'm happy to kind of work with whoever. And certainly I don't like everybody that I work with. I don't like everybody in this movement. It doesn't really matter to me. Um, you know, obviously I want to be able to, to, to trust the people that I'm working with. Um, but I, I don't, yeah, it, there's so much there's so much arguing and nitpicking and um, you're doing yeah. it wrong and it should be like this. And it really prevents us from getting yeah. things done. You know, it, it would obviously be yeah. easier to get things done if we would focus on the common goal rather than yeah. the personalities or, you know, the various aspects of our different opinions and politics. And we can't move forward because they don't agree with me on this, you know. It just yeah. seems a bit um, ridiculous to me. Spinning your wheels. I kind of wanted to go back to this idea about like having a thick skin when you're out as gender critical or whatever you want to call it, because I, I do have a thick skin now about it. I don't, you know, I've lost a lot of friends. Um, and I, when I first started losing friends and kind of getting called out and having people call me names, it was really upsetting to me and I definitely did not have a thick skin. And it took a couple of years for me to really get over that. And to be honest, like actually coming out as gender critical was really terrifying to me. Um, and I don't know if you remember this, Megan, but like way back, um, I guess it's not that way back, uh, maybe like two or three years ago, the first time I wrote for Feminist Current, I remember I was like, can I use a pseudonym? And you were like, I really don't encourage pseudonyms. I would, you know, I want people to use their actual names. So I did. And I just remember feeling really afraid then. So I think, you know, when, when other women are like, well, I can't do it. I'm so scared and all of these things will happen. I, I totally get it. And I'm like, I was there and I've gone through it. And now I have that kind of thick skin it doesn't there there are rare occasions now when it bothers me and there's like someone who was really important to me that suddenly calls me a name and I'll, I might be upset but in general I uh I don't have any issues I'm pretty immune to uh like whatever kind of abuse or insults people want to throw at me it doesn't bother me at all anymore Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I think you develop a thick skin through doing this kind of thing. I don't think you're just kind of born that way. Um, you know, I may have been born more stubborn or outspoken than other people or more comfortable with conflict or more comfortable with disagreement or confrontation, you know, I probably have always had a passion for speaking out about things that I care about. But um, my thick skin has come from doing the work that I do and having gone through this over and over and over. And it did, it used to affect me a lot more than it does now. And it still does affect me. But, you know, in, mm -hmm. you know, 2014, 2015, I would get a lot more stressed out and upset when I would be attacked online and things like that. Um, and now, I mean, I don't. I don't, I really am not bothered by what people say on, say about me online for the most part, you know, strangers, you know, people that I don't know what they say about me online. I, I can't yeah. really be bothered to feel upset about, but I certainly still get upset about people who are close to me or people who are friends or people who I know who say horrible or untrue things about me or tell me that, you know, they can't hang out with me because I, you know, 
uh, I'm a transphobe or hate trans kids or whatever they've been told by their friends or whatever they've been told online or just because they don't want to bother being associated with me because their friends are pressuring them to disassociate and they don't want to lose friends simply by, you know, having a connection to me on Facebook or whatever silly thing it is, you know, those things yeah. are, are hurtful. And, um, you know, or even when, yeah, boyfriends or friends or whatever tell me like, oh, well, it's hard for me because like I, it's hard for me to be around you because so-and-so doesn't want to hang out if you're there and I'm like oh is that hard for you like okay like, bye off. Like, see you later you're an adult right like yeah if, the, if somebody doesn't want to hang out because I'm there then they can not come I don't see how this affects you at all <laughs> you yeah. know? Like, okay their issue. we'll hang out yeah. another time like grow some boundaries mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, it's funny how, too how how the issue um, when you find out what your friends know about it because sometimes you might not know like everybody's being kind of careful in social settings if if you're you know if you're not Megan Murphy like everybody knows what Megan Megan Murphy stance is and now everybody knows what Amy Ham's stance is but for most of us it doesn't really come up in conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, so you kind of have an idea of how your friends, which way they might go based on, you know, certain clues and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, but yeah, but when you do find out, like when I do find out that one of my friends is, and if they're, if I see them posting on Facebook, like totally like, you know, trans ideology stuff, um, I must say it makes me question their, um, their judgment, (laughs) you know, and their, and their critical thinking skills, you know, it doesn't make me like them any less because my friends are great people. They're all really nice, really smart, usually people, creative people. Um, I don't hang around people that I don't like just because like I choose my friends very well. Um, but then when I do see it, it just kind of, you just gotta go, wow, you really got sucked in to that, <laughs> you know? Um, so it is, it, and I can see why people would say, well, I, I can't really be ha- hanging out with you, but the, the, and that, in the end, it's like, okay, now you, they've just sort of drawn their line in the sand and you kind of go, well, I guess you're not really my friend, right? Mm-hmm. If you can't, I mean, and it goes like, like, and again, it's, it's this, the same sort of pattern that we see over and over again. Um, like we're fine with people who are for trans rights. We can be civil and still friends with them, but, but it doesn't work the same way. Like if they find out about us that we are, we're pro women and pro girls, um, and pro children, um, they're like, no, 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 I couldn't possibly be your friend, you know? So it just shows, you know, how rigid they are in their thinking. They're not even, um, willing to, um, to engage. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's funny that like they, these people would think it appropriate to, um, you know, ostracize or unfriend or smear people like us who are not, you know, saying offensive things. I mean, obviously for us, the, the incentive and the motivation to speak up around the whole issue of gender identity is to protect women and girls. Um, there's other issues too, of course, but it's funny that these people think like it doesn't occur to them. It's like, Hey, don't you find it weird that we are not unfriending you because you're saying anti-woman things? Like you're saying things publicly that Uh, we consider uh to be incredibly dangerous and harmful and misogynistic and things Mm -hmm. that hurt children. Um, That, you know, this isn't a one-way street. It's a, it's, you know, a political and ideological disagreement. um, And that, um, yeah, that, you know, people think that it's I I mean I guess they've just bought into a lot of propaganda that tells them you know if this person Mm -hmm. is this thing then they're hateful and maybe they don't bother to think about it or or look further or they're just too scared to question um but uh I was gonna say something else I think there's a lot of fear (laughs) well uh, let me let me just riff on what you just said right there and then it'll come back to you maybe because it is really fear-based. People are so afraid 
of appearing to be unwoke or, you know, redneck or, or religious freak or um, not sophisticated, right? Like, I, they're just I feel so... Like there's, yeah, to me, I think there's... It's like people either have that fear or the flip side of that, I think, is that people want kind of like their dopamine rush from being woke and getting accolades for having the right opinion and that's really appealing to a lot of people oh definitely yes having the correct opinion yeah yeah i mean Mm -hmm. people they mean you do you get a dopamine dopamine hit when you post something on social media and get a bunch of likes and i think a lot of people have become really dependent on and addicted to that feeling and that particular form of validation which i think is dangerous and harmful in a number of ways not least of which being that i think that it's not mentally healthy for the individual because it's so it's such a roller coaster you know you get this temporary high and then you you go back down again and then you need to do it again to get that same dopamine hit whether it's posting something on instagram or yeah or declaring some incredibly radical revolutionary statement on Facebook that will change the world and change people's minds all over the place. Yeah, yeah. like lesbians have penises. <laughs> yeah. So revolutionary. Wow. Wow, you're so that, brave. That, yeah. You know what? That is so sophisticated. <laughs> like just think about that. Like, oh my god, you must be like so, you know, open-minded about sexuality right? Yeah. So open-minded. <laughs> if you can actually make that statement, right? Like, you can't be seen as being a prude. Oh my God, that would be horrible for your reputation. Yeah, yeah. it's it's funny the amount of times that I've been called like an, a right-wing religious mentalist. Um, I, I get a kick out of that because it's like, well, I've always been an atheist, but okay, sure. Yeah. Yeah, if that makes you feel better to think, you know, to and you know what? Hey, what what's wrong with religious people? That's kind of bigoted too. Yeah, you know, if you're if you're just like going around like slagging off religious people who most most Canadians who ha- are faith based, they just want to quietly, you know, worship whatever you know in whatever way they want. They really don't go around, you know telling people what their what their faith is anyway right like the, like half the people who are going to mass on you know sunday you don't even know who they are because they're never going to tell you they're never going to be out that, that's another in and out thing like they're not going to tell you that they're going to mass every sunday right mm-hmm. because they're embarrassed well, and I think, in a way yeah, i think some of that commentary around the religious thing is partly just because you know people will just write off those who are religious or accused of being religious as either right wing or stupid. Like, oh, you, you're religious. Yeah. You, just, you can't be very yeah. intelligent, which is sort of ironic because that's how I feel about people who buy into gender identity ideology. You know, that's such <laughs> yeah. a, that's yeah. such a face ba- faith based belief, you know, it's so it's become so cultish. Yeah. It's so much like mm-hmm. a religion. Like, you must believe these things. You must not question these things. You must repeat these mantras. And if you don't, if you don't just believe, you know, i.e. if you ask any questions or you try to think critically about it, if you don't repeat after me, um, you know, trans women or women, whatever it is, then yeah. you are, uh, uh, you know, you're kicked out of the, the cult or, you know, you're a heretic yeah. or a sinner um and so i find it very ironic that these people would be um would claim to be critical of organized religion or people who who buy into religion or who believe in god or whatever it is and i and i used to be one of those people who thought that religious people were stupid like i'm going to be totally honest i grew up in a very you know atheist household i didn't know anybody who was religious we were very left-wing um Mm -hmm. And I had a very negative impression of organized religion and of religious people. I just thought they were weird and they were dumb. And that's not true. You know, I, I know some people who are religious now. Like, that's it's not, you know, it's still not part of my yeah. immediate friend circle. But, um, you know, and I know that they're not stupid and that they're not 
jerks and that they're not all right wing and even if they are right wing mm-hmm. you know i don't i don't like judging people in that way i don't want to pass these sweeping generalizations or make these massive assumptions about people based on who they vote for or whether or not their opinions differ from me slightly. I mean, what you were saying earlier about, you know, Mm -hmm. if you have friends who post um, about gender identity ideology or trans activism favorably, I, I, because I posted about this on Facebook recently because I was thinking about it and I was like, you know, like, I really, like, I don't, I don't hate people who, who buy into this stuff, but I really, if I'm totally honest, I really do lose respect for them. Like I really do question mm. somebody's either intelligence or integrity because either they're buying into it without mm-hmm. having thought it through. So I can't trust that you're a critical thinker. You know, you haven't really looked into mm-hmm. this. You haven't thought about it very deeply. You haven't looked at both sides. I mean, there's, you know, there's not only two sides in any case. You've just read some very basic stuff probably online and and you're posting it without thinking and I don't really have a lot of respect for that kind of behavior and if you know better and you're posting it just because you're afraid then you're a liar and I don't respect that either yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have to say one of the kind of side effects of for me of going down this path of kind of becoming gender critical is that I'm really happy that I've become a more open-minded person and like you I actually now have some good friends that are religious and I I want to have better conversations with them and I kind of understand where they're coming from and I used to have negative thoughts about them too which I feel bad admitting but I know that I did and I just respect them and I've learned and I think grown as a person because I know that you are better off if you can kind of get out of your echo chamber and connect with people. You don't have to agree with everything. And that really adds a lot of value to your life and you learn more and you become a better person. Yeah. You become, you become actually more open-minded and more empathetic towards people and you, you humanize those around you and you treat people with more respect than you would otherwise when you were in that position, which I was also of completely writing people off based on whether they agreed with me or not, based on whether or not they shared my politics. And that's a really bigoted way to behave, um, to not know anything at yeah. all about another person, yeah. but to think, oh, well, they voted liberal or they voted conservative or they're not a socialist or you know, they don't buy into all my beliefs about feminism therefore they're my enemy and they're bad or they're stupid or they're hateful or whatever it is. I mean, that's a horrible way to operate and it's not at all accurate in any way. And, you know, like I got, I got that that lesson from being involved in this movement also. And, um, you know, there are, there are gifts that have come from going through all this, this crap. That's one of them. And, And I think another one is that now, you know, I've lost friends, but I've also made a lot of new friends and the new friends that I've made or the new connections that I've made or the people that, you know, maybe I've known for a long time and have become really close to me and and more important to me than they were a few years ago. That's because they already know who I am. They already know what I'm about. They support what I'm doing. And or even if they do disagree with me in certain areas, we still respect one another and maintain a friendship and we can talk about it or not talk about it. And they're going to stand by and not, you know, I don't, I do like, do I want to have friendships with people who are are so cowardly, who act so much, who lack so much integrity, you know, who, who are so fake that they'll, you know, say one thing to me about what they believe, but will say another thing to their other friends because they're so afraid of those friends bashing them or bailing on them or ostracizing them or whatever. That's just, it's like, okay, well, you're a phony person. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I I don't have a lot of respect for that either. Like. No, I think authenticity is really important in friendships. And, you know, if you can't trust that somebody's going to be real and true with you, then there's not that much value that you're going to get out of that friendship. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Exactly. 
Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, I, I just, at this point in yeah, my life, I, I mean, I'm sure that I had a million of those friendships when I was younger, but at this point in my life, yeah, I want, I want yeah. friends who are authentic and, and loyal and trustworthy and who I can trust to stick around um, and talk to me about stuff if they're, if they're bothered by something and work it out, not just kind of ghost or, or, you know, you know, act phony or expect me to behave in a phony or fake way. I just am not attracted to those kinds of relationships anymore. Yeah, because mm-hmm. as you get to it's certain really... stages in your life, right, where it's just like as you mature and, 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 you, and you start understanding who you are and learning more about yourself and how you are in the world, then you just start making those decisions. It's like, I don't really have time for that, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't even have time for that type of a relationship that's not gonna give me something real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's kind of a lot of immaturity about having that type of relationship or, you know, not, there's a freedom in being truthful about wh- how you think and how you feel. And it is almost as though when, you can't do that. It just reminds me of being a teenager when there's all of this social pressure to conform and you give into it because that's kind of where you're at in terms of your development and maturity level. Um, and it's so stifling. So It really is. It, I think yeah. there, yeah, there's a lot of benefit to being out as GC. Yeah, I, th- yeah. I think it is a maturity thing for the most part. And, and I feel bad for people who, who haven't reached that point in their life and still have to deal with the stress of, you know, not being themselves around the people who are close to them in their lives. I, I wouldn't want to live like that personally. Um, it would give me a lot of anxiety and I, I wouldn't feel fulfilled by those kinds of friendships that were purely superficial or, or phony or, or, you know, if I was afraid of these people finding out who I really am or what I really thought. And that is, that is you know, how yeah. you operate when you're, you're a teenager, or, you know, often in your early 20s and you care so much about what your peer group thinks about you. Um, like you care about that more than you care about your own integrity and sense of self-worth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm kind of curious, Megan, like going back to the idea of all these people that like send private messages about people saying thank you or like I can't speak up but I'm glad that you can how often do you get messages um constantly I'm not I'm not I don't feel angry about those messages I'm grateful for the support that I get from people though I get a lot of really incredible emails I try to respond to all of them but there's a lot so I think there's probably a few that I've missed here and there but I really I really appreciate I get you know I've gotten far more supportive emails than I've ever gotten, you know, hate mail for sure. But um, I guess yeah. it's, it's more when I see people online saying, you know, making excuses, you know, when that, when there was that fallout <clears throat> on Twitter, etc. because I, and, and I think Julie Bundell and maybe some other women, I don't know, I wasn't able to follow it all closely because I'm not on Twitter, but um you know, we're saying, you know, it's really important for women to come out and speak out. And all these women were coming out online under their own face and name. And then there, there was this fallout and whatever. But I, when I see people making excuses online, I guess that's where I kind of got pretty annoyed and frustrated with women saying, oh, well, you know, I have kids. I'm a mom. You don't have kids. And it's like, oh, okay, I guess you're more important than me in this world. Um, or yeah, you know, like I, yeah. I have to worry about my financial stability and it's like, you don't think I have to worry about that? Like, it's just, you're making exactly, yeah, I mean, a, you're making a lot of assumptions about my life, but B like, it's not appropriate for anyone to position themselves as somehow more or less, valuable or more or less vulnerable and you you know i again i understand that some people are particularly vulnerable and can't do certain things um i understand Mm -hmm. that there are women who are in very vulnerable situations who really do need to protect themselves and their families it's not like i don't get it but for the most part that's not the situation with these people that i'm talking about they're they're just people who are who are saying um 
you know, that they, they have all these reasons that are not really any different than any reasons that I might have for not speaking out. It's like, well, I, I have just as much to lose as you do, honestly, if not more, you know, I have to worry about somebody like shooting me at a public event, but okay. Yeah. 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 No, that, that's just, you know, I, I can't even imagine that kind of stress level. Um, because I felt, I felt it just coming and going from your talk and being yelled at, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and wondering whether somebody was going to throw a fist in my direction, you know, but, but, you know, you have like very serious threats against you and, um, that's got to be just horrible. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, watching um, those videos, I because I I went in through the back entrance, and the police had blocked off the entire block behind the um, the library, and I had you know bodyguards pick me up from my Airbnb and and bring me there. You know, nobody mm-hmm. could access me back there, and I didn't even see what was going on in the front entrance until after when I watched the video. Um, I had the cops like reporting back to me and telling me what was going on. And in fact, after the event, I was supposed to do a bunch of media interviews and they wouldn't let me because they were so freaked out. And they were like, no, you have to, you can't talk to anybody. You have to leave right now. And they were like, do you want, do you want to like wear a blanket over your head when you leave? And I was like, no, like, (sighs) no, I'm not hiding. Like, God, I didn't say anything (laughs) like I didn't say anything even controversial. <laughs> like I'm not hiding under a absolutely yeah. not that women are female. Jesus, but you know, and yeah, so well, watching those yeah. videos, I just you know I would have been terrified to be an attendee mm-hmm. at that event. They were screaming in people's faces. They were they were being yeah. so intimidating and scary, and I wouldn't have been yeah. surprised for somebody to get punched or hurt. You know, it was really yeah. it was really serious. Yep. Yeah, it was horrible. Same within Seattle in mm-hmm. February. Mm-hmm. So back in just before the world shut down for or North America kind of shut down for coronavirus, Megan, you had an event in Seattle in February. Um, I went to that one too. I wasn't an organizer, but it was really I found that was a very scary protest, maybe partly because it was in the States and I worry a little bit about guns down there. Um but it was really scary, and it also makes me think about the women and men who show up to events, um, and that even just coming to these events, including our GID YBR ones up in Vancouver, it's actually pretty brave. Um, so even the people who are anonymous, in some small way, it's almost like that's kind of a bit of um, like a way of being out in some some small way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm always really grateful for all the um, people who show up to all the events because I think it's very scary. Um, I, you know, I know a lot of women who come to these events alone. I know a lot of people who come just to show solidarity. I know a lot of people who come to these events despite knowing that they'll see friends or acquaintances protesting outside and that they'll lose friends and be screamed at. People come knowing there might be violence. People come knowing that, you know, or, you know, not knowing what might happen. And I I think it is, it is brave. And, um, and I felt the same way about the Seattle event when, you know, when I said I worry about getting shot, it was, you know, in Seattle, I was, I was really worried about that because, you know, yeah, people might have guns there and, um, the security situation was weird in Seattle because the library wouldn't allow us to have private security guards. So I was really scared as I'm used to having somebody out in front, keeping an eye on the audience. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I agree with you there. It, and just, just yeah, think was... it's, it's, we're talking about women's concerns and women's rights and you and you are worried that you're going to be shot for doing that. I mean, that the absurdity of it. I mean, we have to stand back all the time and just sort of, because we're so immersed in this issue. It's like, just stand back. You are promoting women's concerns and you're at risk of getting shot. I mean, come on. I know, <laughs> you know? it's insane. In 2020, yeah. during In this time when we're supposed to have really made it like the feminist movement has been a success you know we've won Uh all these rights these women 
fought so hard for the past, you know, 150 plus years so that we could be allowed to live autonomously and be counted and speak and, you know, object to sexual harassment and domestic abuse and an attempt to hold men accountable for violence, you know, to be allowed to vote, to be allowed to get an education, to be allowed to own property. And, and now after all of that work, we have to worry about getting shot or punched um, because we want to stand up for, for, for what women have fought for all this time and, and to say basic things like, you know, women are female and to talk about the basic root of women's oppression as it began way back when um it's total insanity and the progressive left who who claims to be the ones promoting inclusivity and open-mindedness are the ones who are going along with all this it's Mm -hmm. really astounding when when i was at your talk in toronto and um so we we did we knew that it that that there there was risk involved um and myself and Faye, who is also um uh, a founding member of cosbar um canadian women's sex based rights um we decided we we're going to meet up and um we actually lost each other so i had i actually had to go enter the building by myself um, and there was a massive throng of people out front. Mm. And when I arrived, um, they were at they were in the let's be mellow portion of our you know protests, and they were chanting poetry and stuff like that in unison. It did sound very cult like, like there was it was an eeriness yeah. to it mm. as as I was approaching. And it was a massive throng of people, and I had to work my way. And, and I was getting footage on my phone. So I was holding it up, but, you know, just to get to get a shot of the crowd and walking through. And I was just, I was, the adrenaline was out of, out of you know, just through the roof for me. And my, my hands started shaking. And I was just, you know, being a filmmaker, I was like, oh, shit, the, the footage is going to be crappy because it's going to, luckily I have a really good anti-shake on my phone, right? So it, it, the footage looked at fine. And I was just thinking, I had to walk through the crowd. And I was thinking, if they knew that I was going to walk up those stairs and go, like, what are they going to do? Are they going to spit on me? Mm-hmm. Are they going to punch me? Are they going to pull my hair? Are they going to yell horrible things at me? So I was just like calmly trying to remain calm, going, pushing my way through the crowd. You get to the front of the steps. And it was almost like they had set it up as a walk of shame because they allowed the, pro- the, the trans rights protesters to put their little banner and their stage-like setting right in front of the steps. Mm-hmm. So they were blocking the steps and you had to walk past their little banner and their little stagey thing to get in, right? So then once you got there, you go up the steps and you were okay. And that was very nerve wracking. And I got inside the room, finally checked in, you know, went down into the auditorium and there were two police officers standing there. And I thought, okay, I'm going to go talk to them. So I went up very politely and said, you know, thank you for being here. And I said, I just want to um, ask you a question because I felt very unsafe walking in here. I mean, you didn't cordon off the crowd. Like I was made to walk right through the crowd to get in here. And I said, you know, I, I really didn't think that was the right thing. To do. I felt very unsafe. And they just looked at me, they shrugged and they said, mm, they have a right to protest. And I was just like, wow, this is the way you're treating women. Like I, I can't even, I can't even believe it. I find this I sort mean, of funny because so many of, so many of the protesters wanted to pretend like the cops were, you know, not on their side or that, you know, they uh-huh. were, they were being held hostage by the cops, which was a total lie. And it's like, yeah, it was a total lie. The cops aren't doing anything to you guys. They're protecting your right nope. to protest and to intimidate women who, who yep. are showing up alone yeah. to attend an event about women's rights. The cops told me there were like 700 protests out there. They told me Antifa was out there. You know, the cops that I had with me inside seemed very nervous. <laughs> 
Yeah. yeah. Well, and the other thing too is when we when we left your talk, I couldn't believe it. They'd allowed the protesters to come inside the library. Mm. So I looked out uh -huh. the I, I came up the, the stairs, I I looked out the front. They they had allowed all of the protesters to push right to the front door. They were yelling, you know, vicious profanities at us. Some people opted to go out through the front and I said there's no way I'm not I can't do that so I turned around I went through the library but there were there was a line on like two sides it's like running the gauntlet they were on both sides of us yelling in our faces you know trans rights or human rights or whatever it was that they were yelling we had to do that we ran the gauntlet through the library we get to the back door we had to go out the back door and then there's a whole other throng of people, mainly men, okay, yelling at us. The cops sort of held them back, but they were close enough that they could have thrown a brick or they could have spit at us or they could have, it was, I, I, I just really, I mean, I'm not one to, to hate cops, you know, indiscriminately. I think they have a very hard job to do. I respect a lot of them. There's bad apples all over the place. Um, but I, I was really disappointed in the Toronto police at that event. I just mm -hmm. thought, wow, you know, you allowed them, anything could have happened. Like some, and it was, it's a miracle that nobody got hurt, mm -hmm. really, with the, with the level of um, anger and hatred that was being displayed that night. You know, it's a, really a wonder that nobody got hurt. Yeah. And the police really did very little. They did, they did very little crowd control. I mean, yeah, I think, I mean, we've had a really positive experience with the cops in Vancouver, but I think that's because Amy and Holly have worked really hard. And every time we have an event, they have to work really hard to convey that it, this is really mm -hmm. serious mm -hmm. and that they need to really be on top. I of literally this. have a, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I literally have a VPD officer on speed dial who's like, yeah, just give me a call whenever you get a death threat uh, related to your events. Just let me know. We'll add it to the file, like that wow. kind of thing. Wow. Um, yeah, and it's Holly too. We've both spoken to this officer. So VPD has um, they've they've done pretty well for us. Mm -hmm. um, but it's it's still quite terrifying when there's a crowd of hundreds of people uh, screaming at you, and some of them will. I've noticed that they like to pick out the attendees who are like the smallest women. They get up in their faces, they yell and intimidate. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's scary to come to an event. So kudos to the people mm -hmm. who do. Even if you're anonymous, it's um, I still would commend those people. Yeah, totally. We have to make a show of it. We have to make a show of solidarity and that we do have numbers. And I think, you know, courage calls to courage as we like to say, and I think as more and more women um, start to talk to each other, start to see, start to see the footage on social media of women going out and doing it and, 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 and being at the events and um, being brave enough to show up, I think it's just going to snowball from there. And, I, and I'm already seeing, I think, the tide turning in just this, these last couple of years. What do, you, what do you think about that, Megan? Are you, what, what's your feeling on like the mood of what's going on in, in Canada specifically um, um, in terms of the movement? Well, I'm glad to see people organizing in Canada. We were so slow to get going. Um, uh -huh. You know, when I first started speaking about and writing about this stuff, it felt like almost nobody else was. And the people who were, were you're mostly doing so on an individual basis. There was no organizing, no groups, no anything. And meanwhile, when the UK started dealing with the possibility of, of reforms to their gender identity legislation, it's like, you know, like three or four or five women's groups popped up and started organizing and taking action and they were successful in pushing back against these changes that just passed in Canada without hardly any opposition at all. So I'm really glad that people are now starting to organize. I think the tide is turning around the world um, because more and more people are speaking out. 
but and people are really starting to understand the consequences of all this especially in terms of the impacts on on kids who are are you know funneled into transitioning and people are starting to understand the very serious health implications of of going on hormones and and you know that these sur- these surgeries are still experimental and dangerous in many ways um and you know starting to understand the serious impacts on women, especially with regards to female prisons, you know, men being transferred to female prisons and how how dangerous that is and um, the impact on women's sports when, when male athletes are permitted to compete with and against female athletes, which is, you know, just beyond unfair and essentially has the potential to obliterate female sports entirely. Um, I do still feel like Canada is really lacking in general in terms of getting really into this debate and really passionately involved i think canadians are still quite timid and avoidant in terms of you know conflict mm-hmm. and debate um i mean it wasn't until the toronto event that the canadian media really even started to cover this at all you know and to acknowledge that there was a debate and that women really did have valid concerns and they were forced to essentially because of the the huge protests um mm-hmm. but um i think that we you know i don't i don't know that it's possible to overturn bill c16 um but we really let ourselves get pretty deep in without doing anything and now we need to try to backtrack yeah. and and I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm glad to see again I'm glad to see women organizing around this um, but I wish that more people were were speaking up and and taking yeah. action still you know I, I, I hope that women continue to look to the UK and, and the Scottish women who did such a great job in terms of of lobbying politicians and and you know forcing forcing mm-hmm. this into media and forcing the debate and and holding events and and you know using all sorts of different tactics you know posies stickers and billboards um yeah. obviously venice i think venice was the first one to hold an event at all um and then since then there's been you know women's place has been holding regular events and um all sorts mm-hmm. of women have been doing yeah. all sorts of different things and it's quite impressive yeah yeah we need women to be brave ultimately we do mm-hmm. yeah i mean that that's the thing it's not meant to shame anybody but that's what we need we need women to just take action not thinking not deliberating not worrying about i mean not worrying so much about optics not worrying so much about purity politics not worrying so much about what friends think because you just are going to psych yourself out you kind of at a certain point just need to be like okay i'm just gonna do something i'm gonna figure out something to do and i'm gonna do it mm-hmm. yeah. yeah well i think that's a wonderful place to wrap it up um talking about action and doing and being brave and mm-hmm really appreciate you coming on for our first episode megan and it's been great talking to you yeah i'm really happy to be here i was happy to talk to you both i'm really stoked that you guys are doing this it's totally awesome i'm really i'm really excited about what cosbar is doing um i'm so glad that you exist and um yeah i'm i'm grateful Thank you for validating our existence. (laughs) I mean, we wouldn't have gotten anywhere in Canada without you and Holly. Like, you guys were the ones who, the only ones who started organizing events. And that's what you did. You both were like, well, no one else is doing it, so we're going to do it. And you just went and did it. And it happened. And after all these other people who were sort of wringing their hands and like, yeah. what do we do? How do we do this? I don't know. We need to have 800 meetings. And you two were just like, let's just have an event. And then you can talk at the event. Yeah. Great. <laughs> just dive in. Perfect. <laughs> That's how you get yeah. to- <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it was really hard. It was really hard to pull off. We did. It's hard every time, honestly, but it's yeah. like you just yeah, and you two just That's did it on it. your own, you and, do it. and you risked a lot to do it, and and it was so awesome. And I mean, yeah, I didn't, we didn't even know each other. 
<laughs> yeah, I know, right? I'm I'm so happy that we met and that we're doing that. And I I miss it so much. It's so hard during the pandemic to not kind of get the yeah, rush of doing know, our events. I can't wait until it to starts be able to up meet again. in person and to and to have these kinds of galvanizing events. It's been really brutal and i also can't wait until we can start doing them again at some point yeah that would be great we really should that would be awesome maybe we'll go to toronto yes come back yeah that'd be awesome totally well thank you again megan yeah for everything you do and for coming on here thanks okay bye megan ready bye all right bye Thanks for listening. Gender Critical Story Hour is written and produced by Amy Hamm and Esme V. Intro music by Nahanda. And we'd love to hear from you. Tell us your peak trans stories, how gender identity ideology has impacted your life, or just say hi and let us know your thoughts about the podcast. Write to us at gendercriticalstoryhour at gmail.com. Tweet to us at gcstoryhour. Take care. Keep strong and keep talking. Bye for now. Gender Critical Story Hour is sponsored by the mythical biological female. I'm your man.